The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 8th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning does indeed come from St. Luke, chapter 8, verses 26 through 39, and can be found on page 1606 of your Pew Bible. Luke records, They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, and he fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. and Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. And when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and they heard the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and he left. And the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return, return home, and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Now that quote from C.S. Lewis. I, you know, any more, just because it's on the internet, sometimes it's not true. You ever find that? So the internet says this is attributed to C.S. Lewis. I've heard other versions, um, kind of like what I told you, but 
allegedly to him, C.S. Lewis wrote this, there are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fail or fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence, and the other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist and a magician with the same delight. I take that to mean we need to be aware, we need to acknowledge existence, but we need not to research or be overly interested in it. Today's gospel does expose us to um, the mysterious topic of demon possession. And many people get frustrated when the Bible covers the topic of demons. And the reason for that sometimes is because it does not tell us everything that we want to know about the topic. And we need to trust that God in his infinite knowledge and perfect wisdom has lovingly told us what we need to know about the topic. But our human curiosity, our flesh, wants to know more. And our sinful imaginations often fill in the blanks with a dangerous ignorance. That's why sometimes people have messed around with those boards I was talking about. So when we deal with this topic, it is a good idea to take a few minutes to discern exactly what the Bible does and what the Bible does not say and teach about demons. Now, as we read during one of Jesus' debates with the Jewish leaders, Jesus said the devil was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, the devil, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. It's John 8, verse 44. When Jesus described the judgment on the last day, he spoke of the judgment of those who reject him. Then, according to Matthew 25, 41, then the Son of Man will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Those are the ones that reject him. And Peter warned us with these words. Peter, he said, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. First Peter, chapter 5, verse 8. Astounding that Peter would say that which is very similar to what the Lord said to him. Now, a little about demons. They were not always evil. 
Moses' account of creation includes these words, and that is, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. That's Genesis 1.31. We do not know the exact day on which God created the angels. But these words teach us that all of the angels were good at the end of the sixth day. This means that the angels who followed the devil were still good at the end of day six, but that they rebelled at a later time. So here is what we know from the Bible. During the six days of creation, God created an uncountable number of spiritual beings called angels. God created angels. And when God created them, they were all good or holy. And shortly afterwards, a group of these angels, led by an angel named Satan, they rebelled, and they became evil. And the demons that are spoken of in this scripture, the demons are these evil angels who rebelled. And we also refer to these evil angels as devils. And we refer to their leader, who is Satan, as the devil. Now, God created hell. God created hell to be an eternal prison for these evil angels. And none of the evil angels, not even Satan himself, not even Satan, has authority in hell. That place was created for them. They are already condemned to this eternity, and they have no hope, none whatsoever. And that all that there is for these demons, all that's left is their hatred for God. And since these evil angels have no chance, none whatsoever, against God, well, at least directly, their only chance for revenge against God is to attack those who God loves. That's you. And that's me. And their goal is to seduce human beings into joining them in the eternal prison of hell. In Timothy, Paul writes, God our Savior desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. And therefore, the demons want just the opposite. They want people to believe a lie and to be damned. Today's gospel teaches us one more thing. That in spite of their rebellion, in spite of their power, in spite of their hatred, Jesus is still their creator and Lord. And they have no choice but to obey him and his word. Now the text states that even though chains could not hold them, they still had to obey Jesus. The text states that they were legion, which is a, a, a Roman military unit of between four and 6,000 soldiers. Now the point 
is this. The point being that all 6,000, all 6,000 of these demons had to obey Jesus. They had no choice. And Jesus and his disciples, we read, had just landed in a Gentile territory. There was a herd of pigs in the area. And Jesus gave permission for the demons to enter the pigs. And they promptly ran the pigs into the sea. And the human victim of these demons was now demon-free. And now that this man is demon-free, Luke turns our attention to the other people in the area. The pig herders. The pig herders do what you might expect them to do after witnessing a herd of pigs stampede in the tree, in the, to the lake. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and the country. And when the people heard the news, they went out to check on, well, they went out to see what happened there, check on this guy, Jesus. And the reaction that the people uh, of the people, it gives us insight into the difference between the people in a Gentile area and the, the people of, of, the, of the Jewish area that they came from, Galilee. We can see that the people in the uh, Gentile area were under the influence and under the dominion of Satan. Why? How do we see that? Let me tell you. Then the people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus, and they found the man whom the demons had gone from. And he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and he was clothed for the first time in a long time. And in his right mind, they'd never seen him in that. And the people were afraid. The man was now saved and the man was sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is a figure of speech that meant that he was listening as Jesus was teaching. We hear this another time in Scripture. In Luke 10, 39, do you remember this? Martha. Martha had a sister. Her name was Mary. And she was sitting and listening at Jesus' feet. Now, the natural response to the freedom that Jesus gives is to learn from him. And during the time that it took for the swine, I didn't know what you call uh, swine. Are they herders? Are they wranglers? They're not shepherds. But anyway, these guys ran back to tell everybody what had happened. And from the time it took them to get back to the city and bring reinforcements, the man was now free of demons He'd had an extreme makeover from Jesus. And he'd had probably several hours of teaching at the feet of Jesus to learn about the gospel. And he could not get enough of Jesus because he wanted to go with him when Jesus was going to return across the lake. Now, in contrast, when we see Jesus, he performed one of the healing miracles on the Jewish side of the lake, they began to praise God. They, they, everyone there uh, in the area began bringing their sick friends and their relatives to Jesus for the healing. The people on the Gentile side, however, were different. They did not have the training. They did not have the background to see that this healing was a blessing from God. 
And instead, they were terrified of Jesus. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and he returned. And they were afraid. They were afraid that Jesus might use his power on them. And they saw Jesus as a problem, not as a Savior. And Jesus complied with the people's wishes. Jesus isn't going to force you to believe in him. Amen? He offers He offers salvation. He's not going to make you take it. So he complied with the people's wishes. He left, but he left a missionary behind. And this was the reason Jesus spent so much time teaching the man who was now demon-free. The man from the whom the demons had gone, begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Talk about a powerful, powerful missionary. They knew him. He was nuts. He was scary. And now he's changed. An extreme makeover, inside and out, proclaiming God. When Jesus arrived, this man was full of demons. When Jesus left, this man was a missionary to the people on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. The fact that the other people on that side of the lake were afraid of Jesus, it indicates that they were also under the influence of Satan and his demons. Their form of satanic oppression and bondage as unbelievers was just not, it just simply wasn't as spectacular as it was with the other man, but they were in unbelief. They were being oppressed. They were being under Satan's, just under Satan. We know in Eden, the devil used a serpent to tempt Eve to eat of the forbidden fruit. And we know that mankind fell into temptation. And and from that time on, every human being inherits a sinful nature at conception. And the Holy Spirit inspired David to write, Behold, David writes, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Further, he writes, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write, The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's why people, some people, cannot believe they're in the flesh. Now, Luther wrote uh, what I found to be kind of a complicated concept. It was called the bondage of the will. And what Luther wrote was of the will of the devil, and he wrote of the will of God. And he said that the human will is placed between two wills, like a beast of burden. So if God rides it, it wills and goes where God wills. And as the psalm says, I am become as a beast before thee, and I am always with thee. Now, if, if Satan rides the beast, the will, it wills and goes where Satan wills. 
Neither can it choose to run the either, run to either of the two riders or to seek him out. But the riders themselves contend for the possession and control of it. God and Satan contend for the possession of the will, your will, my will. The human being is always possessed by a spirit, either the Holy Spirit or another spirit. The Word of God teaches that we are all conceived and born sinful and are under the power of the devil until Christ claims us as his own. Hear this truth. We would be lost forever unless delivered from sin, death, and everlasting condemnation. Now it's because we humans pass our sinful nature down from generation to generation Bondage and oppression is bondage and oppression to sin is our natural state. We are by nature sinful. We are by nature unclean. And instead of loving God with all our mind and our soul and our strength, we love ourselves. Every human being by nature is terrified of God. Every human being by nature resists him and fears him. In our Isaiah reading today, our lives apart from God show that we are a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. The devil's control over us at birth may not be as spectacular as the man's in today's gospel, but we all enter into this world at odds with God. We all enter this world as slaves to sin. Now, there is only one person. There is only one person who defeated the devil, and that person is Jesus. He was crucified for the forgiveness of all sins, and he was raised from the dead. And Jesus, and Jesus alone, is the only person who endured every temptation that the devil could throw his way and yet never sinned. Jesus and Jesus alone endured the forsakenness of hell for us as he died on the cross for our sins. And Jesus Christ crucified for the forgiveness of all sins and raised from the dead, the only person to defeat the devil, the same Jesus Christ offers his victory to you as a gift. We're almost done. Stay with me, please. Demons don't always identify themselves by driving pigs into a lake. Sometimes demons inhabit people who look like they could be best friends or harmless grandmas or grandpas. Sometimes demons are in the form of a false religion. Sometimes demons inhabit and push things like interfaith. We all worship the same God. You need to be able to hear that. Demons don't come up and say, hey, by the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you to hell. 
They're subtle. Maybe even attractive. They seem really nice. They inhabit people who look respectable on the outside and seem very nice, just like dangerous strangers tempt children with candy. Demon-possessed people tempt us with things that we like. It is their goal to make us feel very comfortable and even righteous while traveling the path to hell. And the real lesson that we can take away from today's gospel is that Jesus is the one who exposes demons and deals with them. The same Jesus Christ who demonstrated his power over today in the gospel has defeated the devil once and for all on the cross. Trust him. Trust in him. Trust in his holy life, his innocent suffering, and his death, his resurrection from the dead. Trust in his ascension into heaven. He is the only one who can protect you from the attacks of the devil. He is the only one who can give you life everlasting. Trust in Christ crucified and risen from the dead. And now may the Holy Spirit possess you and give you the faith that leads to everlasting life. In the name of Jesus, amen.